With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Well, hello, hello, hello out there, my listening audience, friends, family, and foes. Welcome to Straight Talk with the Hired Brush. I'm your host, your girl, celebrity makeup artist. And with my very special co-host, who we have missed here in the Ten Towers, if I may say, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Rodney Best, wealth expert and um, just a great man to have around the penthouse. Go ahead, Rodney. Tell us, how have you been? Well, you know, I've, I've, I've been really, really great here at this uh Beginning of 2016, I got I got so excited, you know. I went over and I, I just found this this bucket of gold, and Ooh. so I picked up this bucket of gold and I said, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it all to myself." But on my way down the road, I saw so many people that needed assistance and needed help that by the time I got to the midway down the road, my bucket of gold was half gone. And when I got to the end of the road, my bucket was ended, empty, rather. Hmm. I'm sorry. And guess what I did? What did you do? I turned around and went and got interest and refilled my bucket of gold. Sounds like you were in Reno. <laughs> hey, well, it wasn't exactly Reno, but it was... It was it was near that Thunder Valley Casino. You got that right. I went up to oh. see that uh, Motown um, show, and, uh, and oh, man, so I you, t- so so you went up to see a Motown review, was it? It was a Motown impersonation, uh, impersonation, and um, uh, my my client over at uh, Frick Middle School, Mr. Peters, the vice principal, he's been uh, producing the show for close to fifteen years, and he said, Rodney, you know, I've been trying to get you to come, to come, to come. And I, I finally broke down. He said, you got to come see this. And I went down oh, there. Beautiful, beautiful show, beautiful show. Well, you and, know uh, what? I, I used to reside in Sacramento. And so, you know, I've had my chance to get to Thunder Valley and, you know, uh, visit a couple of these, uh, you know, uh, uh, what they call Indian casinos. And I... I will tell you, I, I was very impressed at the level of service. You know, it's one thing if you just go walking through and you grab a bite and you play a couple of machines. It's a whole other thing. If you go in there and you spend the night, you're there for a show, and you do, you know, you do the spa or you have one of the overwhelming, um, enjoyable uh, uh, treatments that they have. You know, they have full service there. So that's really, really very exciting. Well, the, the service they gave me was after I finished listening to my other client, 
Miss uh, Dewana Slaughter, who teaches sixth grade over at Creek Middle School, doing her uh, impersonation of Gladys Knight. Man, I tell you, it's a standing ovation. But I got to this car table, and this poker game became such an ordeal that when I woke up four hours later, man was smiling. The dealers, I met about four different dealers. Like I said, I had that pot of gold. And they were trying to empty. <laughs> they were trying to empty that pot, boy. But they, 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 they must have thought I was. They must have called the cops. Oh, he's he's robbing us because I was. <laughs> you so it was sound a beautiful like, experience. Well, you sound like you had a great. Well, we welcome you back to the penthouse, and we're excited to have you here. And tonight we're going to have an open forum and. And we want to start, we've got a caller on the line, uh, but we want to set the stage before we add in our caller. Um, we wanted to talk a little bit, well, I mean, we are here in the Bay Area, the greater Bay Area. And, uh, you know, this is an exciting time for T25CL, where you can go to our website and uh, .com, of course, T25CL.com. You can go there and Check out some of the updates that we've done and how uh, things are changing with some of our musicians. And we've got television coming up, and we've got, of course, our 24-hour radio. And then we've got our Galaxy Talk Network. Uh, And we're going to be really trying to keep our uh, enthusiasm at a minimum while we all suffer through the Super Bowl. <laughs> Won't we be suffering, Rodney? Come on, say it. <laughs> well, uh, you know what? You know what? Actually, actually, um, I'm looking for this to be a payback. You know, and the way the way that the payback occurred. All right, we had Denver beat a team that cheated us out of a ring. They actually cheated. Well, the team that yeah, they cheated us. The ref and the team were in bed together. So Brady got knocked out. Now we're coming to Cam, Cam, get him, Cam. And Cam comes socket to Manning, and that way we're going to look at the Broncos next year and tell them, hey, baby, it's the Wild Wild West Raider Nation. (laughs) I love it. And we're going to take a call from uh, 707. There you go. Hey, listen, you're live on Great talk with the higher breath. State your name and tell us how you feel about that Super Bowl in the Bay. Well, I wish you would disappear. This is Dr. Kwaku. Oh, hello. <laughs> uh, well, greetings. Greetings, Dr. Kwaku. Greetings. Greetings to you. Uh, boy, I, I was on my way home and I was listening to something on the radio. And they was talking about the average ticket. That means if you're sitting up in the nose bleacher, bleed seats, the tickets are $5,800. I said, well, this is why I don't get up for all this stuff, because they are ripping the community off at every turn and and want taxpayers to build stadiums for them. And uh, I, I just don't get turned on by it anymore. Of course, I am glad that. Brady got whooped, but my team, I have—I know you guys are going to curse me out. I've been in the Bay Area for over almost 50 years, but I'm still a New York Giant fan. And Aww. we are the, we are the only people, we are the only people that whooped Brady in the Super Bowl twice. 
That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, you know, I, I hey, listen. I, you know, you can have your favorite because you're our favorite. So that's okay. We don't mind, but don't say it too much because you know people are sensitive oh, in the Bay Area, and you know if you're not down with the Raiders, we we don't care what those. Oh are. no, I was I was down. I was down with the Raiders, but but Al Davis pissed me off with what he did to Marcus Allen, and it just turned oh. me off to, you know, I don't know if you remember the history behind that, where no, he had Marcus, yeah, Marcus Allen was one of the greatest running backs out there, and, and him and Al Davis had a dispute, and he kept this boy sitting on the bench rather than to let him break some records that he would have broken if he'd have played. You know, wow. and I, and you know, I don't know what the deal was, but when you're paying somebody, it just seems like for you to use some petty stuff like that, you know, to to block him from achieving some goals that that he should have been able to do, you know. Right. And, uh, well, I, you know, I just, it, we kind of see that. We kind of see that across the board. I mean, that's like a that's like a tactic that we uh, unfortunately have to endure, you know, as minorities, as people of color trying to come up in this construct. I mean, we're constantly faced with people who could open the door or people who um, could give us the opportunity because we're deserving of it. We've earned it. But then at the same time, you know, when we get right there at the point of inception, you know, it's a luck of the draw. It's a crapshoot, you know. So I, I can understand your um, your, dis, your 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 feelings about Al Davis, but you know he was very charismatic in the mm. sense that he owned that team and it was going to be his way or the highway all the way into the grave. And so now, you know his 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 front office. I, I'm really concerned. I'm concerned about the fact that our mayor for Oakland is not prioritizing our Raider team. And and I also feel this way. I feel that when we were black in Oakland and uh, when we were working over in San Francisco and commuting and Rodney, you know what I'm talking about, when back in yep. the 80s, nobody cared about us paying for a stadium as the taxpayers. They made us pay. So now the community is going the city's doing wonderfully, and they're bringing all these people, and they want to call it East San Francisco. Why can't they say? That's right. Yeah, you, were, you, you know, well, you know. Uh, I think, I think they should do like they do the schools. When people live out in these rich areas, they pay more taxes, so they'll have better school systems. But that never happens at the inner city because the people who used to live in these inner cities, the schools don't get. Uh, you know, they don't get the development, they don't get the materials, they don't, they can't even maintain the teachers because most teachers that teach in a school where there's a high minority uh, group of people, low-income families, they can't wait until they get enough time in so they can transfer to one of those schools out there. So it's well, always, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, you know, let's let let's 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 put it on the turntable in, in, in let's let this record go around. Right now, Oakland is going through a redevelopment. And the money that's being poured into Oakland is one is to me is one of the quietest kept things that no one's really witnessing. 
I mean, they keep saying that Oakland this, Oakland that. Oakland has more money floating around in it right now than it has water on its borders. For example, <laughs> real, 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 real carefully, if you go over to North Oakland, Safeway's building the largest supermarket right outside of North Oakland, right off of Broadway, when you when you get ready to go over to the college or College Avenue. Wait, 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 don't they all have, already have a Safeway there? They have a Safeway there, and they're building a new one. And then they got wow. a, then they put then they put a new little mini mall where where Starbucks and all these guys are just waiting for Safeway to take off. So so that's that's very interesting. Then you drive down the road and you get down to the to the uh, Jack London and you see all this new housing that's been occurred. All these new housing that then went up. And you say, Well, what's going on? Now, carefully, Mark Davis and his mom made a decision. They said, Okay, we're gonna apply to move out of Oakland. Well, no one knew that when a team applies to move and they don't get accepted by the NFL, they gotta give them some money. So they got five hundred million dollars because they didn't get awarded to move to LA. So they had five hundred million. Now they got five hundred. So now they got a billion dollars. Walmart closes. Four hundred people loses their job. What are they getting ready to do? But wait a minute, hold it, folks. Listen to me carefully. San Francisco said to the Warriors, "You're not coming here because of the fact this is a hostile area and it could create a disaster." All of a sudden. As soon as the Raiders got denied to go to Los Angeles, the Warriors' building came to a halt. Wow, and, I didn't even know that. And then Walmart closed down. Walmart closed down buildings in Los Angeles and Oakland. Now let's go to Oakland and say, well, where are we going to put that Oakland Coliseum City? You remember the blueprints they laid out at, the, at a city council meeting? They said, hey, we got a Coliseum City. These investors, we don't know who they are. But they've already put a blueprint together for a city, Coliseum City, that's on the other side of the freeway that stretches from High Street all the way up to Hagenberger. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? Right, I got you. (laughs) So while they're creating construction jobs and employment getting ready to come into Oakland, there's going to be people who were once employed in Walmart looking for a new job. But between you and I and the rest of America, I heard a lot of the people, the foreign people that were in Walmart got placed in other other stores throughout the Bay Area. So there's a lot of money in Oakland. As far as the education system, Dr. Pico, I, I think you're correct, but I think it's going the other direction this time. And the reason I'm saying that is because a lot of vacant homes have been filled by teachers not teaching in the urban inner community, but they're teaching in the urban suburban community living in the inner city where they're buying these properties, and I'm not talking like in the flatland. I'm talking like up in the hills. They're getting these properties dirt cheap, 
but they're teaching in Contra Costa and they're living in Alameda County. Absolutely. And, you know, and, 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 and to me, I think that's taken away from our children. And what I like to see in 2016, I would love to see our children, our grown kids getting out of college, stop worrying about the amount of money you're going to make, but come home and teach the kids how to be like you. Because you've done post-education, you've completed an era in your life, come back and teach that child you knew was growing up that was just being born when you decided to leave and go to college. Come on home. Let's start taking our city back and say, you know what, maybe we can change some lives if we come back and let ourselves be an example. Because I go into the school system, I don't see a lot of us, and it's it's making me nervous. I don't see male figures. I don't see African-American female figures the way they used to be. Now it's it's, it's other figures, and, and our kids are not seeing us in leadership positions. They're seeing us challenged, but they're not seeing our successes. And I like to say to the kids, well, if you didn't make, $42,000 $42,000 last year you was in college, why can't you come out and make 38000 42000 whatever it is for the next year and pay your student loan a little bit and go on and live a little, little bit, you know? Well, I really, like what, I really like what you're saying, and I think, uh, I think it's important <clears throat> for us to give back. I wanted to say, you know, Dr. Kwaku, I saw – um, this gentleman, Warren Buffett, just yeah. recently, uh, he was on this show, you know, that we all watch at uh, 60 Minutes. And um, they were talking about the billionaire community. And uh, it was very interesting how they have so many billionaires now in the world, particularly in the United States. And uh, Warren Buffett has been going around challenging these billionaires to give away half of their money. And uh, he made a statement which I thought was very, very interesting. He said, the one, he said, I brought 20 people for you to meet that are on this challenge to give away half of their money. He said, but there was a lot of people that are still skeptical about my process and what I'm talking about. He said, now for those He said, I promised I would write a book and put their names in it and dedicate it to them on how to live on $500 million successfully. (laughs) It was just really funny how he was shaming them into compliance. Um, My question for you is, do you think that um, this is what we need to do? Do you think in our community we need to, and when I say our community, I'm talking about successful uh, African Americans who, you know, are before us and keep themselves before us but don't seem to be helping us. Do you think we should call them out and create a community and shame them if they're not participating? I, I think it's okay probably to, you know, name these people who don't contribute to their own community. I'm just not so sure. It's, it's very similar to the Native American situation where these mm-hmm. people get huge amounts of money. But without the education, and I'm talking about the true education 
that deals with their culture and their energy. Good that point. These people, some, of, some of them get thousands of dollars a month and wind up broke and alcoholics and drug addicts. Uh, it's alive and well. I have a, bro- a partner of mine who works on the uh, reservation, and he tell me about the horrific <laughs> problems that's going in spite of the fact that they're getting all this money. And it's one of the reasons why a lot of our own people are against reparations, because they don't think giving the population as it stands a lot of money is going to cure the problem. And I, I agree with them to one, to one extent. If people are still ignorant, if they're still under the guise of white psychology, what are they going to do? If you Good give point. them a lot of money, they're going to go and be the consumer that they've always been and give it right back to the people for trinkets and jewelry and, and fine cars and, and buying things that they can't afford or overindulge it. Without true education of who you are as a person, without understanding who you where you come from, you don't have a foundation. So you're not building on anything. And that's what our problem is in the community, that even if somebody came in and throwed, I don't care how many billions they throw at it, unless... That's right we find a way to get into these mental health centers and these uh, child welfare centers and these family centers and re-educate the people about what's going on and and what they need to do, it's not going to make a difference. And, I mean, it's sad to say, but there are a lot of them out there who wouldn't contribute anyway, and I don't see nothing wrong with, with shaming them because, I mean, it's disgraceful for somebody to be making billions of dollars but every time you see them on TV, you got some little white girl or little some white boy they are propping up or they're counseling or mentoring. When all of our people, all of the people that we have that really need mentors, what we need, instead of psychologists and medication, we need mentors and strong role models and black men, not only in the home, but black in the school system. That's right. I was, I was in the Havis Court, and I used to talk to a couple of brothers. There was a couple of brothers still left there. And they couldn't wait to get away from that system because it's just like any other system. If you're a black man, you're going to be uh, powerless. You see things need to be done. If you do them, you get checked and written up for. Even some of the sisters, even some of the other people, they can't change the system because it's self-fulfilling. It continues to feed this monster that they want fed, which is capitalism. You know, yes. our right. schools right. are making plenty of money. They make more money for ADH kids than they make for regular school students. When you have a, a label special ed, they get twice as much money for you sitting in a seat. This yes. is learning. And so when you look at all of those things, you know, without having the ability to have some real education, not only for our kids but for our parents, that's right. We can't we can't turn this thing around with books. That's right. Well, you know, I had um, an opportunity. You know, my family we uh, we lost uh, our patriarch actually this past week, and had a chance to go down to Los Angeles and speak to many people from different um, economic backgrounds, different education. You know, it, it's very interesting when we leave. When I left the Bay Area where we are being hotly uh, um, attacked under this gentrification, where we can feel it, where it's on the news, where every 
I went to Los Angeles, and it was shocking how people did not have that on their on their conversation. But uh, what was uh, a bit of interesting conversation as I met different people was the fact that people think we need to be trained or retrained or we need to have some sort of master class for African Americans to certify us before we go into the next step. And I thought that was a very interesting, this this would consist of, of, of finding out how you best learn, finding and then pairing you with your learning partner or with ways to, to learn, um, and then also to find out uh, what, your, what is your gift. I mean, this was very interesting how the conversation was not we are suffering, but how can we become better. It was really uh, very edifying and inspiring, actually, to be with some of those people. We have a question on the board. Uh, oh, well, by the way, everybody, this is, uh, oh, straight talk from the Hired Brush. I'm your girl, uh, celebrity makeup artist Barbara McGee. And we have an open forum tonight with my special guest, host uh, Rodney Pez, the wealth expert. And then we also have uh, Dr. Pastor Kwaku, uh, who will be having his own show spinning off. And that's going to start. Pastor Kwaku, when is your show starting? Uh, it's going to begin uh, February the 4th at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. And that will be a weekly rendition with yes. Brother Corey Jeffries, and you can hear that right here on www.t25cl.com. So I just want to take a question from the board. There's a few here. What is to be considered our community? Do we have one? And who makes up this community that has can have influence? And uh, anyway... So, Rodney, did you want to answer that? When we say our community, who are we talking about? Well, you know, in, in today's society, the community has borders voting for their council people. So what was once considered to be a black neighborhood has been defined now as a community. You know, when I... And let me take it back. Let me show that way. You know, you, you listen, you can understand what I'm saying. Back in the day, when you went into a neighborhood, you said, okay, this is a black neighborhood because every five doors filled with black people. Then when the community concept began, every six doors was another nationality. But, but they kept saying, you can't live around these people. You, you know, there's always problems with these people. You guys have problems. You don't know how to live properly. Your kids are not being educated properly. Your kids are not growing up to, to do uh, 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 chores properly. But yet and still, in today's society, they moved in and our kids moved out. They moved in and called it a community, no longer a neighborhood, governed by borders that elect people into council for our current society. 
So in an answer to you, what is a community? I think a community has been defined by the council person that controls that border structure. It's no longer oh, a I like black that. That's, that's, very, that's, that's very interesting. And, you know, which speaks to the fact, uh, Dr. Quaco, I don't know if you know, but um, there was a gentleman that was murdered by the police. He was wielding a knife and wouldn't put the knife down over in San Francisco, and they're calling for the the um, uh, Black Lives Matter movement and the Black Seed Collectives that we have had on our show have been calling for Greg Sir, who is the police chief of San Francisco. They have been calling for his resignation. And they're, they're calling for that because of the way uh, seven to eight police officers handled this stop when supposedly this gentleman stabbed someone and then had the knife on his person and then wouldn't put it down. Uh, and then they shot him right there on full in 3 o'clock in the afternoon with um, eight police against one person, one gentleman. So I, I guess the uh, county supervisors have decided to name, I think it's July 22nd, after this young man. Now, I disagree. I disagree because I think, uh, as Rodney says, that yes, when you vote, you put these people in power, and yes, they should be reachable. Yes, they should be cognizant of what's really in touch with what's really going on, which is not happening in Oakland. And then they should be uh, willing to take a chance and make a difference. But I think there's so many African-American males that fall victim to police brutality and lose their lives that I think naming it after one person I think is, um, is, is futile. I think it minimizes and makes it personal and makes us forget about how many people have lost their lives. Dr. Kwaku, what do you think about that? What do you think that, what message does that send about having a holiday day named after a gentleman who was fleeing the uh, pursuit of the police officers? Well, personally, I don't think very much of that process one way or the other. And certainly one of the things that they do now is they have the ability to murder us and they think because they give the family a couple of million dollars, a couple of thousand dollars, that that makes everything all right. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the same thing with, you know, guys going to, they sent this guy to prison. He was in prison 19 years, and they never gave him a free child, but they think they was doing something great by getting him $2 million. His, most of his young, youthful life away from his kids was spent in prison 19 years. So mm-hmm. I don't, these, you know, I call these halfway measures. You know, if you want to correct something, change the system. Forget about putting a sign up, uh, uh, you know, uh, naming a corner after somebody. Change Mm -hmm. the system so that these officers are not, their first inclination is not to shoot a black person that they say they're intimidated by, which really goes back to their own self-conscious and their guilt feelings and, and this mistrust of blacks because they know how we've been abused in America. The fear lies with them, and so the first thing they do is, well, I better shoot him because I don't know what they're going to do. You know, black, I had a white guy tell me one time, he said, if I was black, I'd be killing white folks every day. 
he, he didn't understand how mm. we as black people take this stuff and continue to take it and don't get up and do nothing about it because we appease too easily. They put out a few a little money or they fire somebody. Well, it's just like up there in Flint, Michigan right now. They up there, they don't put the, 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 the crooks in charge of investigating who made the mistake and put the bad water over there for the people to drink. We are constantly going for these type of, of superficial actions that they do to respond to something once we've been damaged. Nobody's mm-hmm. thinking about down the road, if, you know, 15 years from now when those kids start to exhibiting all of these health problems from drinking all that lead that was in the water. We, and, and, and like I say, not getting away from the subject, but all of these things fall into the same area. They are constantly doing, if the Flint wasn't a predominantly minority community, that never would have happened. That never would have happened. And so we have got to, to learn to organize. What a community is to me, we have got to start organizing around each other's issues. We got to stop sitting back and being critical of each other. And when we see our people in trouble, we've got to come together as a group. It can't be just a few people on the bridge with Black Lives Matter. It's got to be a community action, the same way it was in the in the fifties and sixties. Thousands of people came out and said, "We're going to support this." I don't say you go out there jumping something, on, you know, without checking it out. But find out what's going on and let your voice be heard. I don't want no no stone named after me. I don't want to see no corner named after any of my kids. I want them alive and healthy. And the only way to do that, and I think it was uh, uh, Anthony Browder that stated that he who controls the culture controls the people. So like the, uh, uh, Brother King said, you know, we don't we don't have what you call communities anymore. You know, because they're all one big melting pot culture. And that's mm-hmm. why you have, you have black folks running around talking about their three or four different nationalities. And, and you know, and white people will even claim to be black when it's convenient. Remember the movie where, movie where they was uh, when they was riding in L.A. and the, and the Asian guy came out and said, I'm black, I'm black. You know, when everybody want to be black when it's convenient, right? But don't right, nobody right. want to, but don't nobody want to get up and do nothing and come together, uh, you know, to change the dynamic that's going on. You know, right. that brother getting shot. Right. All, all, look at them white boys up there that took over that park up there in, um, is it up there in Oregon? Yep. Yeah. They're out there with guns. They're out there with guns and stuff, and uh, you know. The Native American brother was on the news, and he said they was hampering their ability to live with this stuff. He said, but if that was Native Americans with a bow and arrow, they'd have been out there with tanks shooting the place up. And right, so exactly. Because we have got to come that. together. All of these groups, you know, need to come together and formulate a community, a a, a community action that says, okay, you're not going to shoot any Mexicans, you're not going to shoot any African-Americans, you're not going to shoot any blacks or Asians or any other group. You're going to treat them and their community the same way you uh, you re- respect a, a community out in uh, the suburbs, out in, uh, wh- what's that place out there where the gold uh, grocery cart set? 
But when you walk out that door, you have got to come under some authority. And you must understand what people associate with what so that you yeah. can, so that you can eliminate that from your diaspora. If yeah, you don't want to yeah. be treated like that, that's what you got to do. Go ahead, Rodney. And you know the the thing that that I I'm hearing the both of you say and and what I I totally concur with is we have to get away from being the identified one to being the neighborhood one. You see, let, let, let me give it to you again. When we had a neighborhood, all of us was there, and they used to say all black all black people look alike. <laughs> right, <laughs> but mm-hmm. but we were we were all living with each other. We were in our neighborhood. Now, when you drive into a community, and they say, "Oh, wait a minute, there's only um, there's only sixteen of them in the community, and this is four o'clock in the after two o'clock in the afternoon, and they're at work because we know we have them censored tracked, and we know exactly what they do." Now, who are you, sir? <laughs> you see, mm. because you, 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 we have allowed ourselves to listen to the negative, negative profiling of saying you can't live together with your own brother and sister. You, right. you got, you got, you got issues. You got problems. No, we don't have issues. We don't have problems. What we don't have is what Doctor Pickle, what you Pickle, is what you're saying. There's no it's- growth. Beyond there's no unit. There's no unit. Yeah. When you get out of when you get out of fourth grade, fifth grade, what do you do? Well, I'm a, I'm gonna go to school. I'm gonna be cool. No, go to school to say, okay, I might open up me a mom and pop little store. I might open up a a a, a business where I'm gonna make a baby material things for kids. We don't think about these things coming out. We look at entertainment. We look at sports. And we look at possibly some financial things, but the banks, they're really, really moving out of the so-called, quote, neighborhood community areas because they're saying there's no money there. But that's, to me, I, well, I, I and you, We know that's not true because one yeah. our community is one of the most consumer-orientated people in the country. Yeah, and, We and, send and, all of our money right back in the yeah. system. We make right, the right. system work. Right, right, you know. right in the saddle. So how do we how do we take that that old stigma of saying we can't live amongst each other, which just occurred over the last twenty five years, and realize the success we would have if our kids in our neighborhood saw kids that they would see every day, but they would see successful parents or parents who have an objective in front of them getting up and moving and going at the same time. You know, that's that's where I think our challenge is. How do we get our kids to see us as leaders once again and not as problem solvers? We need okay. To uh, gentlemen, hold on. Uh, let me pay a bill. All right, everybody, you're listening to Straight Talk with the Higher Brush. I'm your host, Barbara McGee. And guess what? We're on Galaxy Talk Radio, and we're hosted by www.t25cl.com. And guess what? You can go to our website. We invite you. We've made some changes. 
Go there. Find your favorite artist. Find the favorite book that you like to read. And go ahead and purchase something. Download it. Enjoy it. And then call in next week and let me know how great was your purchase and which song you like. You know we'll have a prize for you. How about that? Now, I've got a caller on the line. Caller, state your name. You're live on Straight Talk. Uh, Do you have a question or a comment? Okay. I think our I think our caller is listening and we enjoy listeners. So uh, go ahead and listen there. And uh, we want to take a, uh, a question from the board. Okay. I think the black movement is dead. And I think black unity is dead also. It is now an individual self-determination uh, process to succeed. Am I right? Am I wrong? Please tell me. And then it goes on to say, can each one of you uh, give me just one example of successful black unity or black unity in progress? Oh, that's very interesting. Yes, I, I can give you an example. Uh, yes. Q25CL.com. You know, yes. uh, <laughs> hey, you know, that's the sign. You know, I met some brothers today, and we did some filming, uh, you know, our videos and stuff. And I, some, a couple of the brothers, I, I'd known them for a long time, so they'd been around Oakland a long time, around the Bay Area. And just we just happened to reconnect. But all of us are on the same page in terms of what we ought to be doing. And we made a commitment to get together and start to work in on some of these things. A lot of us got displaced after the 60s and 70s. You know, the revolution kind of cooled, and, and, and people started going into this more individual thing. And I, we were talking about community before, but when you, when you think about the word community, the end of it is U-N-I-T-Y, unity. We have, yes. no comu- we have no communities and no unity anymore. We have neighborhoods. Neighborhoods is where everybody's just running around right, but don't nobody know who the other one is that don't nobody care. We have got to bring back an attitude of I have a responsibility to stand up and say when something is not right. You know, uh, I know when I was in back in the early 60s, I was back in Boston, and they had a bad habit about doing these Rodney the King beatings on people on every weekend. Yes, you know, yes, yes. Uh, a lot of people out here were surprised. We used to see that every weekend some brother got beat up or almost beat to death in Boston. And until uh, these people got together and said, hey, no more. So what they did was they instituted this rule that if you or somebody was being arrested, that somebody, an innocent person on the street, could ride down to the jail with them, make sure that they didn't beat them up while they were taking in that book of them. Because they had a lot of brothers that some brothers even died. And then they would claim they fell into the bars or, or all kinds of stuff. And so yes. we have got to find a way to stand when we see something going. And when I drive down the street and I see the police got somebody pulled over, I may pull over to the side a little ways down just to observe what's going on. And we've right. got to learn to, to do this kind of stuff because these people, they look at it and they say, well, those people don't care, and they just do whatever they want to do. we got to let them know that we care. You're not going to do that to our people anymore. Right. Well, you know, I think you bring up a great premise, and, you know, that goes back to, you know, the cop cop watch. You know, the whole (laughs) understanding about how we started, uh, how, uh, you know, a few brothers got together and made a difference and created uh, Huey P. Newton and uh, 
you know, Elders Cleaver and Bobby Seale and stop police brutality in Oakland, California by observing, by knowing your rights, being able mm-hmm. to interpret it well, being able to share that information, and then having brothers being able to receive it. Now, you talked about in the question, what is unity and can we explain it? Well, understand that community or the black construct is in our minds. And so, therefore, Rodney, when I agree that I'm saying I'm part of a community, I agree that I have a like experience as you and as you, Patrick Wake, you, and as those that are listening. We have a like experience which creates a community. It's not, it's not, it's no longer where I live. Because if you took an examination quickly of where I live, then you would say that I don't belong in the struggle. You would say, you would say that I belong in another group. But my mind and my priorities and the fact that I have the same unified feeling about my children and their safety and their success as you have about yours means that we share a community of thought. Now, we also carry a community of memory uh, of what was, of what we'd like to see again in our life, of how we came up and what was good about it, because that's what you remember when you look back. You remember what was good. And uh, so there was a lot of good that helped rear us in these chocolate cities. There was a lot of good. It wasn't all ghetto. It wasn't all run down. You know, there right. were great there were great businessmen. There were great right. entrepreneurs that had great clubs, great businesses, great restaurants, right. you know, great clothing stores, great Great respect. Yes. And so there was all this alternative or there was all this to support and to continue my construct in my mind of positivity and how I felt about myself. So forgive me if I want to see that and share that with my children because I think it's important. So where is black unity? Well, I'll tell you where it is. It's in our hearts and it's in our memory. And it's going to take something. I hope it's all positive for you out there well, listening audience to be ignited to come together and come out of the comfort of your home and to decide to stand on the line and say you're not going to take it anymore. See, this is where we have, have gone. We've gone into the recesses of our home, into the comfortability that we're working hard for, trying to keep, and we've forgotten that when we come outside, we don't like it no more. So we have a unity, but people are not seeing it. But let somebody put a call down, and you're going to see black unity. I don't think it's gone anywhere. I think it's just laying dormant, waiting to pounce. That's what exactly. I think. I think it's lying there waiting to be re, uh, ignited again. You take like, I, I, was, I was brought up in, in a neighborhood that people would look at it. You'd ask people about uh, Brooklyn and New York and the Bed-Stuy Bet- area. And you would think of the most the most horrible human beings on the planet. But let me just tell you something. We had community. Nobody 
in that geographical area would do anything to anybody else that lived there. They looked out yes. for each other. You can put people in, I don't care what the circumstances are, and they come together as a group. And that's the way we were back in the 50s and 60s. But now we've, we've taken on this, this global mentality, every man for himself, individualism. Uh, you know, I'm three or four different uh, races. Uh, we, I don't know who I am. And, and, and I think it explains why a lot of people are wandering around with all these uh, um, mental health issues, uh, you know, can't figure out, I don't know what's wrong with me. Am I normal or am I not? Well, you're probably not if you have to ask. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> valid point. Yeah, Absolutely. valid point. But, you know, when you get to the point that you want to ask and question, you know, that's another thing. You know, I was just noticing uh, when I was in down down south, when I you know I find down south to be quite inspiring, just like I used to find Oakland inspiring to my inner self. You know, when I go to L.A. and I get in my in my in my lane, I have a designated lane that I ride in. When I get in my lane, I'm inspired. I'm inspired by all the people that connect with me in my community, in my lane, and how I'm treated. And uh, I just noticed that it's very interesting to watch people be mentored. It's very interesting to watch someone in the room who's older speak and everybody else listens and takes heed and allows themselves to gracefully be corrected. I think that a lot of times when we're listening and we hear something that applies to us, our pro- excuse me, our pride and our individualism says, well, that has to be my idea before I can adopt it. It has to be, that's something maybe I'll do later in my life. Maybe that's for me, not for me right now. You know? So I think that's what we're seeing. Uh-oh, I think we had a caller here. But I think we have to be able to accept information, search for correction, and accept it when we get it. Hey, we're going to take a caller right now. Hold on. Hey, caller, you're on Straight Talk. State your name. And did you have something uh, to say in this conversation? Are you talking to me, Barb? Yes, of course. Go ahead. Uh, okay, okay. I've I just been listening. Um what the the brother said several minutes ago about being stopped by the police that that's happened to uh, me and other a lot of people I know that when they've been stopped because another white person said that you did something way down the road. We have to look at this what happened to him particularly and me um number one, the person who said he was going too fast, what did he have to tell how fast the man was going? Police have radar guns. Or they, you know, they they at least can time you, uh, and so um, the, the the irony of that is just how ugly that is, and 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 we don't grow out of some something like this in this society, not unless we talk about it, and we have to talk about it to the folks that are doing it, not just to us. We have to talk about the folks that are doing it. We have, we have to talk about the the guys at West Point that put the, the sheets on their head and cut out their eye holes, and it and they just ruled uh, this week that. They wasn't really doing nothing harmful. The white girls lined up with the word "nigga" uh, on their on their t-shirts. They would they have black friends. Uh, so um, the, the excuses are like buttholes. That's why grandmother used to say everybody got one. 
So, uh, but we can't continue to let these folks give us excuses for their racism and their and their uh, and their uh, derogatory system and inhuman system that tends to penalize some of us because it makes money for them to keep some of us down. Why it helps, you know, it makes money for them to keep some of us up. Um, we have to realize, you know, like the, one of the one, I think the same brother said, you know, uh, you know, people are confused on what's happening. One of the things that confuse us as black people is we have refused to learn about ourselves and our history. You know, we talk to black folks about slavery. Oh, that's over. Well, yeah, but you need to know what it was. Uh, you you talk about the uh, uh, inmate leasing, sharecropping, civil rights movement. Uh, where we were when we were in Africa, what were we doing, you know? And if you don't know that about yourself, then you then you have a, a profound weakness as a human being. You really do. It is. Uh, you have I, a profound weakness as a human being. I agree you with don't you. Know nothing about, you don't know nothing about yourself, then, then, you, then you, you're starting out with one leg. Right. Go, go, yes. go ahead, okay. your, your response. Yeah, I, I agree with this brother 100% because I've always, that's my philosophy. If you don't know where you've been, you don't know where you come from, then you're out here with like you're like a, a house that's being built from the roof down. You know, <laughs> you, don't, you you don't build a house from the roof down. You build you lay the foundation. The foundation of who we are is where we come from, the essence of who we are as a people. That is our foundation. In order for our it, it's something that is not being passed on to the younger generation, to the point where they don't even want to identify with Africa or being who they really are. They want to be somebody else or some combination of something else that's acceptable to the system at large. You know, it, it, the system is still the same way. I mean, by the Hollywood stuff, the, the Oscars, the lighter you are, the more apt you are to get a role. You know, you know that's it, the way it is. If you go yeah. to a job. Uh, if, if you're real dark and you're big and you look like you're strong, then they, they look, that's, a, that's a strike against you. You walk into an office as a man, you know, but if you, if you're light skin and you, and you got what some of these women choose to call good hair and you walk in and you got your, your eyes are, are, are three or four different colors. I mean, you know what makes me sick? I have to stop and say that I see our people all the time getting green eyes and, gray eyes and all these blue eyes and I'm thinking what is wrong with us what's wrong with your own natural beauty what is wrong with it what have they done to make you think that that everything about you is no longer beautiful or acceptable and and, and that's where our people are if you go around and you go out you will see this stuff that's right you know and Dr. Okay. You, hit the, you hit the nail on the head and the fact that we talked a, a while back, uh, uh, Barbara, about black history being taught in the, in, the, in the educational environment system because back in the 60s and 70s, it was an elective that was in college and it was a requirement that was in high school. But in yeah. today's world, you got it where it's just part of the American history. But whenever we raise our hands and we say, hey, you know, we want to talk about, we want to we have black history they said, well, you, you got a little bit of black history, but all the American different nationalities start saying, well, we don't have a history of our own. But I, then I turn around and I say to them, well, show me where there's a little black town. You know, there's a little Chinatown, a little Japantown, 
little 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 uh, 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 Iranian town. You got all these little towns of different nationalities, but you don't have a little black town. Okay, we got Atlanta, but is that really a black city? Okay. I'm just well, saying. Today, and, and, then, real quick, and then you have to ask you, you have to ask yourself, that's Atlanta, but who runs it? The white right. politicians. Running. That's right. So That's right. We don't control it. If you go down to town here in uh, Oakland to Chinatown, they own and control everything down there. Everything. You, you, you heard what I said. So you see, you're hearing what I'm saying. And until we can, until we can start looking at the social economics that will move us to being identified as a people. Because see, they burnt all our towns. They they they, they shut our towns down. They didn't want right. that town. You know exactly. So how do we get it back? How do we get it back? That's what we got. Okay. To well, let, let me well, let me make a let me make a statement here. I, I you know just recently um, I spoke to someone who I care deeply about was telling me that we have the Smithsonian Institute was opening this beautiful museum dedicated to African-American history in Washington, D.C. And I thought about that, and I said, <clears throat> well, you know, it's never good when somebody else is holding on to our artifacts. And I, and I thought a little deeper about it when I thought, you know, just recently, about a month ago, I saw on Facebook where there was a, a um, collection going around asking people in the United States, please donate whatever you have that is history of African Americans because there's a chance we can put it in the Smithsonian uh, exhibit. And anyway, make a long story short, I thought, you know, there's something about that that I don't like. I don't like when some other institution is controlling our history and controlling, controlling the physical proof of how cruel America was to us in the beginning. And, uh, right. I was, I, and, and can you believe that this morning uh, one of the ladies in the Black Seed organization sent me a message that said that Target, the store Target, um, had won against the proprietors who controlled Rosa Parks, you remember Rosa Parks? Yeah. Okay, so Rosa Parks' image and her paraphernalia, everything Rosa Parks, whether it be a T-shirt, a hat, whether it be a book, a film, a movie, it's owned by an institution, a nonprofit organization that wanted to make a movie and guess who sued them in court and won control of Rosa Parks, everything Rosa Parks, Target, the Target Corporation. And I wow. said to myself, that is ridiculous. Hey, so, Barbara, may I say something? Um, yes. There used to be a black museum in Philadelphia. Black folks didn't support it, including black, uh, um, black, black people who were on top of their game, like Bill Cosby or Oprah Winfrey. It went it went belly up about four or five or six years ago. We didn't support that. It was an institution that talked about the croc babies. You know what a croc baby is? It's a, it's the a, it's a lead. 
croc baby. You know, a croc baby. A croc baby is alleged that when they used to, used to go for uh, crocodile hunting, they would tie a string around a baby, black baby, put him near the water, and when the crocodile would come up out of the water and swallow him, they, they get, because the crocodile wouldn't let go of the baby, they could now rope him in. Yeah, that's what, we were, that's what they used to do to catch crocodiles. Use, use black babies as bait. Okay? Uh, now, this, that's why this institution was closed down because I went belly up because they were talking about real black history. And I want to go back to the brother saying that, you know, we used to have black history in high schools and colleges. As long as the white folks thought the black history was going to teach us how to tap dance and spit watermelon seeds, it was cool. But as soon as they found out that we were starting to learn about that, we, that most of the inventions in this country came from black minds, or that people like uh, Ida B. Wells, you know, uh, were documenting uh, uh, lynchings and, and murders of black people, and that she was also a millionaire, but she didn't want to spend her money enjoying herself. She wanted to spend her money on other people, okay? Uh, or when, uh, when, uh, when we found out that, uh, um, uh, that um, uh, George Washington Carver was so smart that his, 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 his owner said, you're going to put my, my black man in school, and you're going to put him in college. He, was, he integrated colleges and high schools with white folks way before we had civil rights, okay? Because his, his owner said he's just way too smart. I'm not going to shut him down, even though it was against the law to, to teach, teach a Negro. His owner had enough power to say, you're going to teach him. And what did he do? He went and invented just about every damn thing that we got, latex, nylon, plastics, all that. You know, look around Absolutely. you right now. Everything's made out of plastic and nylon and latex, okay? If it wasn't for, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have that. He, got 11, he, he published 11, 11 scientific papers. Most people in their career only do two or three. Once they found out that we were teaching that kind of stuff, they went on a campaign to shut down every black cultural, black history class all over the country. I fought well, in Sac State. Okay? I, I, well, I know I what want, happened. I want to suggest one thing, brother, to you. At one time, we had over 200 historical black colleges. Amen. Amen. Okay. Now we have about 10 or 11. Amen. Makes sense. Totally wiped out any ability for us to continue to grow and develop as a people. Because now, uh, you know, I had a good friend of mine was living out here in Fresno, and his son had won a full scholarship to Tuskegee. He did not want to go to an all-black college because he'd been more schooled. <laughs> we had to talk him into it and show him the prestige that went along with being given a scholarship at Tuskegee. See, those black uh, historic colleges, they didn't accept you just because you showed up at the door with money. You had to be able to do the work. And right. now our kids want to go to USC. They want to go to Stanford, all these places that promote white supremacy. They want to go to Cal. They want to go to you know, USC, uh, all those schools where they get in there and they don't learn anything about their own people. The only thing they learn, everything they learn is based in their Eurocentric psychology. So quite naturally, if only thing that goes into something is one version of history, that eventually takes over. That becomes the dominant thought process for you. If you've been taught from the ground up from kindergarten about who you are, about another group of people, then at some point in time you lose sight of who you, where you really came from. So we, this is why it's so important for us to reclaim 
or start our own institutions for learning, and we have to get to our kids while they're in daycare and kindergarten before they get to middle school because by that time, these people have all but destroyed their minds. Absolutely. I will thoroughly agree. I want to just say we've got one more question here, and uh, we're getting ready to wrap up. So we're going to go around to the gentleman on the panel. Hey, everybody, you're listening to www.t25cl.com. And this is Galaxy Talk Radio. I'm your host, Barbara, with Straight Talk from the Hired Brush. Now, you do know we have several shows similar to the same format where you can tune in at 7.30 on Monday for Compton Politics, Tuesday, uh, Straight Talk with the Hired Brush, Wednesday, Rosalind Corner, where she comes live from Los Angeles, California, and interviews uh, many of your favorite uh, soulful artists and musicians. And then new on February 4th at 7.30, we have Dr. Pastor Kwaku, who's on the line now, and Corey Jeffries, and their show's name will be, go ahead. Dr. Kwaku, your show's name is? Oh, I'm sorry. Soul Vibrations. We'll be on so 730 I, yes. Pacific Time every Thursday evening and it's That's gonna be right. it's gonna be live and we're gonna we wanna be there. We are gonna be there for the community. We wanna be the voice of the community. So we need you you people out there to call in and to and to give us your ideas so we can take them forward. I love it. Okay, so we're gonna take the last question. We're gonna go around to everybody and I hope Andre, our Galaxy Chief, is listening, and he can weigh in with the last word. All right, here's the question. What is the motivation? Okay, wait, hold on. What is the motivation of white America to keep black America poor, and how can you have black unity without white economic stimulus? Okay, so I'm going to start with Edward. Keep your comments to two minutes, please. Then we're going to go to Rodney, Pastor Quaco, and then Andre. Okay, we're going to me first, Bart? Yes. Okay. Uh, if, if anybody, if there's a book, if it's still in print or if you can find it, please read it. It's called Death at an Early Age. It's about a white uh, substitute teacher in Boston that got to know the real truth. Um, white people uh, keep some of us down because they make money. They let some of us up because they make money. Some of us die because they make money. Some of us live because they make money. Some of us gamble because they make money. Some of us sell dope because they make money. Some of us don't sell dope because they make money. Because they make money. <laughs> it's all about the book. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You're right. Now, and what was the name of that book, sir, that you were recommending for reading? It's called Death at an Early Age. You probably you probably have to find an old copy because books like that, like Muntu, Nomo, uh, the, uh, 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 mine out of Africa. Uh, uh, those books you can't hardly find anymore because they were just speaking too much truth. Okay, way too much truth. Way too much truth for to be out here on the on the bookshelf. Okay. Well, we thank you well, for cause, calling cause, in. Cause, cause, let me say one more thing. Mine too. If you get that, it'll tell you what it is to be a black person. What what your philosophy is. Where it comes from. It's written by Johannes John. He's a German philosopher, one, two. Mine out of Africa is the same type of thing, but it's a little bit, it's a little bit heavier. It's, one by, it's written by S.M.M. Didi's. 
he's a little heavier. He's an African. Shahan John was a uh, German philosopher. And Montu will tell you why you are black. I love it. I love it. Well, we thank you. I want to go to um, Andre. Are you there? Okay, he's not with us yet. Okay, I want to go to Pastor Quaker. Go ahead, Pastor Quaker. Oh, oh, there's Andre. Hey, Andre, how you doing? Hey, I'm here. You have me muted. I am so sorry. How could I have done that? Oh, my goodness. Uh Uh-oh. That's a conspiracy theory. Mute the cheese. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You want to silence the world? Go ahead. Tell Uh, us what your feeling is on the white uh, economic um, uh, machine that we're all under. Oh, boy. Okay. Good question. Well, you know, as we know, you know, we've been here now for about 400 years in this country, and we've been under an economic system that has been one that has been of suppression. And the way that we have been utilized for was 310 years worth of free labor, and now about another 150, 160 years worth of racism, discrimination, suppression, imprisonment, being stopped uh, just to give out some bullcorn tickets to and the list goes on about our situation. And now in order to alleviate the situation, there's going to have to be a change. It's going to be a universal change to uh, make this happen. And it's going to have to happen on a big level from those who have persecuted us and put us in this unfortunate economic situation. Now, that doesn't mean that we sit back here and wait on on, on the great master to go ahead and do this, we still have to do what we have to do on a microeconomic level to do and help for ourselves until something else happens on a much more grandiose level. So, yes, there is a need of economic stimulation from the government level. It is def- desperate, desperately needed. They do need to have some degree of reprehension and reparations for what they have done, as such as what they have done for others that have been incarcerated and enslaved and imprisoned. And so something needs to be done, but we can't sit back and wait on that. We have to do this in our little small groups and get our resources together, get our unity together. And still uh, one of our problems is, is with the Willie Lynch syndrome in our own community and still having our own enemies inside of our own house. And we keep hearing these nightmare stories that has happened every time we try to make progress, then what happens is someone in our own midst seems to turn on us and to bring that movement down. I mean, this is a historical fact that has happened on a big level. We see it in a small level as well. This is why you always have to build up the necessary security uh, around you in your movement because everything that we do as it pertains to blackness, black unity, black economics is a movement. It doesn't mean that we're getting out here picking up guns and that sort of thing. No, it means that we're picking up computers. It means that we're picking up ideas and proposals and, and we're trying to execute on something good to help our people in the interim until something else larger happens on a much larger scale, uh, level. 
So we here at T25CL will continue to do what we can do uh, and what we're doing with our multimedia platform to assist in this process. And the, the best thing that can happen to us is that we can operate in unity and come together collectively, and then we double and triple and quadruple our efforts with people listening to the shows, people downloading our music, viewing our movies, and supporting us in what we're doing. So this is our mission. This is what we're doing. And we are doing our part to, to make a change economically and socially. I love it. I love it. Well, we thank you so much for that. I just want to go to Rodney Best. Go ahead, Rodney. Give us two minutes in well, closing. You know, it's, to me, I, I concur with, with everything that was just said. I mean, that, that was superior because it's what it's going to take. But being a political scientist, political scientist, the study of socializing people, my my theory for black, African-American, colored, Negro, slave, my theory is we have to allow them to stop naming us and to begin to claim something for ourselves. You know, and, and, and hear me correctly, you know, as I said, every time we try to advance, and I concur that with, with Andre, every time we try to move forward, our name changed. Well, we were slaves. We moved forward. Now we're Negro. We move forward. Now we're, 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 we're black. Now we're African American. Now we're colored. Every time we try to become a people, they changed our name. And until we can stop and identify who we are and start speaking to each other, you know, I get so damn tired of walking down the street and I pass black men and black women and they can't even say hello. Hey, right. You, you know, until we can start identifying who we are and not by what they say we are, we can advance and go stronger. And I hope that I be here on this earth to see it happen where black, colored, Negro, slaves, African Americans start saying, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I hope I see that because then I'll know we're now able to live next to each other and not fear being next to each other. That's the change. That's what Rodney got to say. Oh, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. Well, everybody, you know, you've been listening to Straight Talk with the Higher Press. Like I say, I encourage you to go to our website, which is www.t25cl.com, and peruse around. Make yourself familiar with some of the recording artists that are there. I'm sure you'll recognize someone. And then download some music. Let's start there. So next time you come, Try to buy a book or two and definitely tap into Galaxy Talk Radio where your concerns can be put right there on the platform. Remember, Monday night is Compton Politics. Tuesday night is the Hired Bride Straight Talk from the Hired Bride in the penthouse with Rodney Best and, uh, of course, your host, uh, a celebrity makeup artist, Barbara McGee. And then 
Wednesday night is Roslyn's Corner, uh, where they're talking entertainment, and it's really saucy and scintillating. So make sure you tune in, 7.30, and then coming next Thursday at uh, uh, 7.30, Pastor Kwaku with Soul Vibrations, he and Corey. So it's going to be wonderful. I uh, tell you, you must be there for their inaugural show that will be starting in Black History Month next month. I just want to say this. I want to talk a little bit quickly about honor, about friendship, and about how to support someone. I was just overwhelmed uh, this past week with the loss of my dear, dear uncle. And I want you to know that I made one phone call one time, and I called the lovely Lady Ross, who is Wednesday night, Rosalind's Corner. And I asked her, Rosalind, would you join me and can you use your melodious voice to bless my family? Uh, And she agreed. And you know what I tell you? Standing next to her and having her bless and edify our family was so remarkable. It was so amazing. It was so perfect. You never know who you're going to need to count on. You never know who will stand in the gap for you. So I admonish all of you tonight to take care of those that are in your inner circle, your outer circle, your workmate, your neighbor. Put your best foot forward because you never know when you'll have to call on them and they'll shine like the North Star for you. Anyway, we'll see you next week, 730. Thank you, gentlemen, for being with us. All right. And to all a good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.